If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to Future File, your weekly tech podcast exploring how the industry is changing the way we live, the way we work, and the way we play. The way we play is what we're going to be looking at today because this is a video game special. We're going to be talking about video games, uh, what our favorites have been, what we're looking forward to coming up. And to help me dive into it, I've got some special guests with me. So introducing, to start with, Mr. Patrick Purcell, who is from our video team at The Mirror here and a big gamer. Hi. Hi, guys. JC, Mr. JC Sutton. Hello, I'm, like, I'm really excited. <laughs> you can't hear it, but I'm beaming. JC, Su- JC is beaming. JC's from our community team and, and is going to be uh, pitching in with his thoughts. And last but by no means least, Mr. Aidan Gregory. Yeah, hello. Who is our social video guy and he is going to be giving us some thoughts on PC gaming, perhaps? Yes, I think I'll probably be the only one defending PC defending gaming. Defending PC gaming. It's too expensive. Speciality. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. Let me get to see the debate has started already, guys. So... I think um, for the for the listeners, uh, maybe maybe you're gamers, maybe you're not gamers, maybe you're you, you know a little bit about it, but um, you're not really really into the nitty gritty of it. So we're going to kind try and uh, ease in a little bit with kind of our thoughts over the last twelve months of video games. Now there've been some amazing titles. We saw the launch of a brand new Nintendo console that got a lot of people very excited. So I'm going to kind of go around and open it up to the floor and just kind of ask the guys what their favourite video games were of the last 12 months. So, um, Pat, do you want to kick off? Um, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, I think for me, this generation, I've definitely been a bit of a Sony fanboy since since the launch of the PlayStation, absolutely trounced the X, Xbox, where I, the generation before I was always Team Xbox. So, for me, it is, it's been a, a, a Sony exclusive, and that was um, beyond... Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Horizon on the PlayStation. Zero Dawn. Yeah, Horizon Zero okay. Dawn. Uh, it's just been an absolutely fantastic uh, open world adventure. Uh, absolutely cracking game. Um, exclusive to the PlayStation as well, yeah. which is something at the moment the Microsoft's machine seems to be yeah. missing out on quite a lot. Um, but really well designed. Uh, so much game there for for the fifty pounds that it was released at. It's now £20. I mean, there's so much game. If you haven't got it, just go out and buy that game. It's, it's crazy good. It's crazy good. Good choice. Because that was a, that was Guerrilla Games made that. And they they famous for Killzone, right? Which is kind of yeah. very, very different. Yeah, so Kill- I think when this came out, everyone was a bit like, whoa, they've done, a, they've done an open world action adventure. Yeah, it completely and shifted the mould from their first-person shooter. Um, yeah. Everybody expects them to make first-person shooters. And now from, from now on... Everybody's going to expect them to be making up in world games. <laughs> Guys, what do you think about that? Um, I quite enjoy this, actually. So yeah. I, I agree with you there. It's, it's really, really good value for money. It's a really, really good game. Um, the only thing I really wasn't a big fan of is, although it's open world, there's almost too much to do, and it, it kept you going for hours, which is great for some players, but... Uh, I found some parts of the whole game was a real grind in which mm-hmm. you were just doing stuff just to get to the next stage or just to try and find something. And uh, that really grated against me, I think, and so 
sort of tainted my experience a little bit because I was just going, oh god, I have to go do this again, or I have to go and find this. So it was a bit. That is that can be the peril with the open worlder. Mm. You know how how much of it is grinding and how much of it's sort of plot narrative exploring. I feel like there's been a bit of a a gentle, very bit of a backlash against open world games. You get like, um, I mean, not to diss Ubisoft, but they have a very boilerplate formula when it comes to their open world games, which is a massive open world and just a lot of busy work and nonsense in it. And it's surprising that Horizon Zero Dawn has has surprised a lot of people and reversed that because. I think a lot of people would just thought it's another open world game it'll be you know 40 50 hours of just fetch quests and time yep. trials and not a very engaging story or the story's like 4 hours long and everything is padding and busy work but from, I haven't played it but I know that from your guys reactions and obviously critics reviews of it that it's done really well which is it's fantastic it's, it's nice to see an open world game that isn't boring what it well it's also done um which is missing a lot at the AAA video gaming market at the moment is a new IP. It's the first yeah, proper new IP to yeah. have come out in a long, long time and to be successful. I'm, I, again, I, I recommend that game if you've not picked yeah. it up yet. Good choice. JC, what's been your standout well, game? Mine's been tricky because I became a father in June and I can tell you that looking after a tiny human being really <laughs> eats into your gaming time. Um, I mean, I spent most of last year playing Stargy Valley which, if it had been released <laughs> in last year, would be my game of the year. I mean, it came out on the Switch, so if you have a Switch and haven't picked it up yet, I would recommend it. Um, but in terms of the games that I've played from kind of last year, Resident Evil 7 really stuck up for me oh, okay. because I was really worried about that franchise. Genuinely worried. I mean, 4 was amazing. 5 was not a good Resident Evil game, but it was a good action game. And 6 was Ooh. a hot mess. And I played that game through like three or four times all the way yeah. through to be sure. But 7... Oh. Has completely reinvigorated that franchise, hundred percent. Okay, I haven't played. I stopped after four. I, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't played any new ones. I would skip six. Right. Definitely. Okay. Skip six. Um, Resident Evil Revelations is actually quite good. It's one of the spin-offs. It was on the 3DS, I believe, and then they ported it to kind of the bigger home consoles. First Revelations is really good. It's a return to proper survival horror, the kind of quiet, gentle, creeping dread from the older games, and not this kind of crazy, wannabe Michael Bay action of seriously sixes. Right. Oh, I'm getting like flashbacks to it. It's, it's a bad, bad game. Give it but, a miss. Um, Resident Evil 7 completely turns it on its head. It's obviously, in, it makes the leap to first person, which is quite, makes it quite visceral. And I was worried that it would just be copying all these other first person horror games that kind of cheaply rely on jump scares. And just kind of a bit a me too sort of effort, but it it is a Resident Evil Seven game. So it's a Resident Evil game. It's got the DNA running through it, but it it completely freshens up the series in every way, shape, and form. Like it's if you're a fan of survival horror in any way, yeah. and you're worried about Resident Evil, it's now I can say back on track. Right. Best one since four, then. I would I would say yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I completely agree, and in fact, uh, funny enough, that's my favourite one as well. Because <laughs> uh, it, it's brilliant, um, and for the exact same reasons you said, um, it's a huge recess of the whole Resident Evil franchise, which is great. The styling has changed a little bit; it's a little bit creepier. So, as you said, it's moved away from the whole first-person shooter uh, into the first-person shooter genre, which is really, really uh, good. It's more polished I think as well a very very well polished um, survival sort of game which I loved as I couldn't stop screaming all the way through it which is bad for my partner but I loved doing that just screaming just trying to sort of get my way out of it I know you played the VR didn't you or did you try the um, VR I haven't played it in VR but I hear it's in like terribly like incredibly like 
incredibly terrifying to mm. do in VR, which was fantastic. Yeah, VR horror is something that's you have to. I, I play. I tried um, the Rush of Blood VR game on the, on the PlayStation VR, which is the the Sony, the PSVR. That's right. Yeah, and it's, you're in you're in sort of a. Um, like an abandoned theme park, and you're you're going down on a ride, and you've got the guns, and you, these like creepy cr- clowns pop up at you, and and yeah, definitely yeah. it definitely mm-hmm. got me a couple of times. Yeah, I think VR suits on rails a bit though, doesn't it? Like, I, yeah, I wonder how. Re- I mean, Resident Evil Seven being first person kind of lends itself to VR, you'd imagine, but uh, I guess that would be a, a first fully fleshed out experience in VR because a lot of the VR stuff at the moment has been like little vertical slices of yeah. what. What it's, could possibly it's, it's be, be that quite moment, short, it's not, isn't it? Yeah, they, 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 they uh, with uh, I think it was Farpoint last was last year or the year before. It was last year, which was where you sort of it was sort of free roaming in so much as you've you've got you look where you want to go, you hit the button and you sort of portal to it. But on rails is a much more kind of streamlined experience at the moment. Um, speaking of VR and stuff, that actually like kind of takes us on quite nicely into looking ahead. So those were our our big games of the last twelve months. Looking forward. What are your top games for the next 12 months? Um, I'll, I'll kick off actually. I am really looking forward to Red Dead 2. Um, I did not play Red Dead 1. When I say Red Dead 1, it was actually Red Dead 2, but you know what I mean. I did not play Red Dead Redemption. So I just, it just, it just, I just missed out. Like I had so many games on, I had other things going on, and it just, it slipped through the net for me. Uh, and I, I, I might, I don't know if I can try and kind of get in there and play it before the new one comes out. Um, I haven't so far, but I, I, I've been watching the, the Rockstar like drip feed these beautiful, gorgeous screenshots. So um, yeah. yeah, that's that's my. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. It but looks. It's it's it's, it's going to be another open world. It's like what we were saying um, saying before with Horizon. Like, it, it, if they can keep it tight, um, which they did. I mean, I found that with let's go GTA Five back in back in the day, 2013. That one came out, but that was. That was great for me because, like, you can just kind of barrel through the narrative and have the story if you want to. You can go off and do the side quests. You can just pit, mess around. Um, yeah, so that Red Dead Two for me is upcoming. Well, the um, original in the, the previous Red Dead Redemption, just just traversing that open world was a joy in itself. Like it was so, even though it was quite open space um, and there was lots of kind of wide plains and stuff, it was just it felt alive. Like the yeah. the wildlife in there, the incredible vistas, the soundtracks are incredible to the point where I force myself myself to stop fast travelling everywhere because just jumping on a horse and just kind of going for it and just kind of that sense of freedom is part of that package and if you do get a chance to, to go back and play the first one I would thoroughly thoroughly recommend it because it that game goes places it, it does things are oh. we do we have an HD update of the original one um, or I think it's backwards update. compatible on right. um, the Xbox One Xbox 360 is backwards okay. compatible okay, so you can pick up a copy for like a fiver and it is it's worth every single penny and also the uh, add-on as well the Undead Nightmare DLC add-on is one of the few kind of expansions that actually is really really good it's, it's not just like a palette swap it's not boring it is fully fleshed out and it's typical of Rockstar's sort of uh, the DLCs that they do for like, GTA and stuff yeah hopefully with Rockstar as well you know know what kind of company they are I mean I want to go full on bandit in that game yeah I, oh, I, I'm, I'm I, so I want to go crazy in that game it's going to be yeah right when is it out um, oh, they've got a date. There is a date. Yeah. I it's can't it's, off so, my head. it's kind it's, of summer, it's, isn't it? Spring, summer this year. Yeah. Spring, summer. So not too long to not wait. Not too long for to that. wait. Um, yeah. All right, Aiden. Favorite game coming up? Um, what do you oh, there's quite a few coming up, but one that really struck me because I went to the PC Gamer Weekender uh, just 
previously gone in the last week. Um, and Biomutant was a really st- a big standout in that one, which I thought was re- quite interesting. Okay. Um, it's a really, really odd game. It's sort of like uh, Rocket Raccoon, uh, sort of character where you're um, a rabbit, and you're just given sort of like uh, two swords. You're sort of like really sort of almost like a ninja, and you're traversing and tackling sort of... Um, hunting down creatures and stuff like that it's, it's really really fun I, I enjoyed it I, it was only in beta when I was testing it it's due out sometime this year they've yet to release a mm. uh, date um, and I think that's probably going to take people by storm because it was a really really fun and invigorating game but there's others that are coming out as, as well I think um, there's quite a few I think Walking Dead have Telltale tale is coming out with there, there are two Walking Dead games coming out next year you've got um, the final season of Telltale's next series. year or this year yeah this year this, this year, year. Mm-hmm. so you've got um, Telltale they're kind of yeah, sorry. bringing into we're in 2018. <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy, right? Um, and then Overkill are doing their well, version of The Walking Dead, and it's like a co-op shooter, four-player stealth melee type of air. They've only released a teaser trailer as yet. It's set in Washington DC. It's sort of they've gone well. Left for Dead did that, and we can do we're zombies as well. So let's do that, but have stealth and melee in it. I don't know what the gameplay is going to be like, but that should be quite interesting as well. Yeah, I think that'll be uh, quite good. I, I quite enjoy Telltale because I think. Walking Dead is the only one they seem to have gotten right. They've tried it with other franchises mm. and it just doesn't seem to work very well. So I'm, I'm glad there's a final season that they're just going to round it off and not going to continue and play with the format so that it becomes stale. Um, yeah, it's a really, really good game. If you haven't actually played it, it's it's surprisingly fun, even though it's sort of you're just clicking through the yeah. story. Um, the choices you make are really, really interesting, really, really fun how they react as well. I like those sort of those sort of games Um, I'm a big fan of the Telltale Walking Dead games and what's funny is that I hadn't uh, read any of the graphic novels or watched a TV show when I first started playing it when the first season came out but since then I have started watching the TV show and it's incredible how perfectly they've nailed the tone of that even though the graphics in the game are sort of cell shaded sort of quite kind of comic booky um, it is it nails the tone of that like it's really gritty and hardcore and serious and I love it but Personally, what I'm looking forward to is the um, Spider-Man game for PS4. Oh, yes, one. Spider-Man. I have really high hopes for this, and I'm worried as We've well. We've been waiting for this for years. Yeah, it's a long time, and it's like a brand new developer because Beanox have had the license for a while, and they started off all right with the games. I think Web of, um, like Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Time were quite good, and then they did the movie tie-ins for the Amazing Spider-Man films, and they were quite poor um, yeah. really really quite poor that's being kind yeah, but yeah. they were uh, um, shameful yeah I, actually I forgot that was coming out this year that uh, uh, looks amazing it's almost like uh what they did with Batman. I was uh, just gonna. I was just gonna that. bring up the Batman it, stuff. It's yeah. because that, they've given basically Spider-Man the Arkham Asylum treatment, yeah. and but, it looks absolutely fantastic. But isn't it so interesting that like when you know when Arkham the Arkham games were coming out, it was when Nolan was doing his Batman trilogy. And talk about what you're saying with The Walking Dead of kind of interspersing that that world. Because I picked up on some of the Arkham games after obviously seeing the Nolan movies. Um, but the Arkham games I found much more in line with the comic books than it was with Nolan's vision. Um, so. It'd be really interesting because obviously Spider-Man is, is getting you know a resurgence in the in the cinema at the moment or will you know this year. So like how that will dovetail together, whether it will be very very similar or or, or not. Well, don't forget, Insomniac were responsible for Sunset Overdrive as well. And if you play that game, it's open world, but the traversal in it is probably one of the most amazing aspects of it. You kind of uh, it, almost like um, what was the PS4 one? 
Infamous, where you kind of gl- you glide along yeah. pylons and things like that. You can jump really high and run along buildings. And if basically they can combine the open world traversal of Sunset Overdrive with the combat of you know the Arkham style games, then they should be onto a winner if they nail the tone correctly. Which and it's not based on any kind of existing kind of movie storyline or any comic book storyline. It's completely brand new. So they've been given this freedom and this leeway to kind of go off and explore. And that's when. Uh, kind of comic book games are really at their best. Things like the Arkham games, Spider-Man: Web of Shadows, things like that. Mm. Um, you know, fantastic. So that is that's my your, number one. And the fact that it's a PS4 exclusive as well is quite yeah, interesting. That's a that big kind of really quick feather in the cap for Sony. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick, thoughts? Ooh. What we got? Oh, for me, um, I, it's going to be another Sony one. Obviously, with me being a big Sony fanboy this generation, but um, I don't think we'll see it in 2018. Uh, but it'll be 2019, hopefully. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, The Last of Us 2. I just cannot wait for that game. Yeah. You know, out, out of all of the big ones coming up, that, that's the one I'm really waiting for. And there's so much pressure on that game yeah. to be as good as the first one because the first one, I, I think, it came out of absolutely nowhere and blew people away with it, with its storytelling, beautiful game design. Um, I'm sure that they'll be able <laughs> to... lost for words at how yeah, awesome it was. I'm just remembering some of the bits from it. Like, <laughs> We can't go into spoilers here in case you haven't played it, but if you haven't, you should do. And um, yeah, probably another... There was, a, there was a remake of that as well, wasn't there? On the PlayStation, on the PlayStation 4. 4. That, that, that's how I first experienced right, okay. The Last of Us. I didn't, I didn't have a PlayStation 3, so oh, okay, I was Xbox yeah. a generation before, so I, I kind of missed out on it and uh, I'm glad that somehow I managed not to get that game spoiled and yeah. it's it's oh what a game what a game the sequel I, I cannot wait for it okay so we, we've talked a lot about the games that we liked the games we we're looking forward to and um, we've we've spoken a lot about the, the kind of console um, side and, and the PC side of things now bringing it down to smartphones which is where a lot of people get their real like day-to-day gaming um, for for non gamers, what we would term but gamers is blurring as a term because I would contest that if you're playing Candy Crush on your phone, you're you're a gamer. You're playing games. Yeah. Um, do you? And this one, I, I'm just going to throw it open. Do, what do you think about smartphone gaming? Uh, is it is it um, coming on in leaps and bounds? Does it have its problems? What do you use? Do you play games on your phone? Um, I, I mean, I'll start. So I, I play a little bit, but what I get out of it is I have f- uh, friends uh, and family members who aren't gamers, but they do have a couple of games on their on their phone. So we play sort of a two-player, two you know, like a, a trivia game or a chess game or like words with friends sort of stuff. And I quite like that. Um, I, I, don't, I don't sort of download some of the more kind of graphic intense ones and, and do that because I'd rather sit at home and, and play on the PlayStation or the Xbox for that and save some battery and save some battery life. Yeah. See, I think you you've hit the nail on the head with that one um, because obviously mobile games they have a huge and a, so much wider reach in terms of audience uh, than traditional games and console games. Mm. But the question you have to put down to is whether you count them as gamers or not. Is how meaningful those games are. I mean, is, okay. Does yeah, Candy yeah. Crush have a particular narrative? Is it very meaningful? Are you really sort of intensely driven into it, or is it just one of these things you're doing to pass the time or passively playing? So mm. that's where I think the whole question about whether phones count is well, how meaningful mm. they can be. Um, I'd say no. I'd honestly think you'd be better off sitting down at a PC or sitting down at a console and going yeah. through a narrative story and playing it that way and really getting into the game, but I don't think... Do you think phones could be the gateway drug? 
to that. If you play a, a small Spider-Man game on your phone and, and want to then get up to something... Possibly. Um, I, and I think that's where it's sort of blurring between like the Switch and your sort of traditional phone and a tablet and stuff like that. It's slowly... I think you're, at, you're slowly sort of bringing yourself up each step Mm. as you go so it's like phones and switch then into proper sort of bigger consoles um, so yeah possibly it's a gateway drug but I don't think it's going to convince everyone I, I don't think so I think there's still I think there's still huge lines and divides between what constitutes as a mobile game and what constitutes as a gaming and like, and like yeah what, what Aiden was saying like a narrative experience and, and, like yeah, an atmospheric I, kind of I think who's it who developed Angry Birds and Angry Birds was Rovio. like yeah. Rovio yeah. so they I mean that was the mobile game that really put mobile gaming on the map yeah. wasn't it Angry Birds everybody was playing Angry Birds um, well Pokemon Go we saw Pokemon that Go huge last year that was huge I mean that really that was that was massive uh, Rovio said um, they thought that traditional video gaming was dead after the success of Angry Birds. And I, I thought that was really short-sighted because video gaming is bigger than the movie industry. Yeah, it's, it's it's absolutely huge. And like we're talking about, I won't go back to it properly, but experiences like The Last of Us or something like that, you just simply can't get that kind of immersion and involvement in a, in a mobile game. It is the quick-to-play pick-up, have a quick five minutes, Mm. Put put it down, kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and so they do have very addictive qualities, and um, you, you can see that in some of the free-to-play models that mobile games um, okay. use um, this to to make money these days. JC, as the new parent with precious little gaming time, mm-hmm. how, how, what, 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 weigh in on this subject. Well, it's uh, it's tough because I feel like mobile gaming is, is suited for very bite-sized experiences that aren't necessarily particularly deep. They're built for commutes or when you're on the, the loo or what have you. And like Adam was saying, they run, there's not really any... <laughs> We've all played Candy Crush on the loo. Don't, don't laugh at me. This is, this, is, this is real. This is only, it's only 10 minutes of freedom I get a day when I'm on the loo. Check a bit of Facebook, go on Candy Crush. Um, <laughs> And obviously, you know, gaming, it's become uh, like movies, like music, like film, it's become like an art form and it's very wide and inclusive. But also, um, and obviously you want to get as many people playing games as you can, but I think calling yourself a gamer when you only play Candy Crush Saga is like calling yourself a foodie, but you only eat kebabs, or like a film buff, but you only watch Steven Seagal movies. Like there's there's a sort of line where, you know, you just, those are kind of very niche experiences, and you, you're not going to sit down and play an eight-hour session on your phone for like something or other. Like but they're, they're making kind of leaps and bounds. I know that um, Player Unknown Battlegrounds has recently released a mobile version, and you've got kind of Minecraft and Terraria. I just think there's room for them both to coexist, um, and obviously the Switch is trading that middle ground, but I think in terms of smartphone gaming, it's going to be very much its own unique thing, and home gaming mm. will be like for the, the more hardcore folks. Yeah, but playing off that, I mean, I think you could have the argument in reverse, because a lot of mainstream games are now sort of adapting as well and going into the mobile market as a an add-on, essentially. Right. So we've seen it with the likes of Blizzard, with uh, a lot of their games. We've seen it with uh, quite a few different games on the market in which you sort of you have a side app. I think uh, Battlefront had one as well. Mm. Um, so in, in terms of they're yeah, just add-ons. GTA experience. 5 did one, didn't it? Yeah. Where you could control the, yeah. the social media stuff, yeah. Oh, that, that segues beautifully into the next thing I want to talk about, which is um, loot boxes. 
uh, and the oh dear yeah the, <laughs> uh, the, the the big hot button topic of last year um, Battlefront was where I um, kind of uh, found this out for the sort of first time and for those uh, that don't know loot boxes are effectively in-game purchases that once were perhaps limited to free to play games smaller games and are now making their way into larger commercial games now the idea is that you can pay real life money for extra items that might be a character upgrade or it might be a weapon or something like that um, now the, the the problems with that come with if, if you, as a customer you've you've already handed over 30 40 quid for a game the idea that you are then being asked to pay more for these these loot boxes or to get ahead this play to pay sorry pay to win uh, is is causing a lot of problems um Pat, I know you have some ideas about this. Do you want to dive in and give us your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the the way to go into this is with EA and, and what happened with with Battlefront. I mean, it, you know, it caused such a controversy um, that even Disney got involved. And, you know, I mean, they, they've removed them, haven't they, temporarily? But That's right, yeah. They, I, I believe it was more or less the day before release. They backtracked. And <laughs> they backtracked. They said, we're going to take them out. Them out. Um, but it's completely good to the put, game. They can put it back in at any point, and they say not not loot boxes specifically, but the option of paying for them. So you still grind out and, and earn XP points to, to get the loot, but to actually pay real money, that's been taken out. But there was always the idea that it might go back in again. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure they want to get it back in there as soon as possible. But I, I, I do find it. I mean, I, I find it staggering that um, EA tried that with. A franchise as beloved as Star Wars. I mean, if if you're gonna, if you kind of go put the pull the rabbit out of the hat and bring loot boxes up as an issue, then EA have, have, have done that perfectly on the main stage with a Star Wars title, and everybody's gone. Well, how long is it going to take me to unlock Darth Vader in a mm. in a Star Wars game? You know, unless I pay money into it, um, which, which seems just ridiculous and. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't really think of an industry like where you can pay fifty or sixty pounds for a game up front, and then and then they expect you to pay for things that are already in the game, and mm. it's just kind of be closeted behind a paywall. I, I just, I, I can't. I can't see their arguments for, for it. I think they make. I think they make enough money as it is. If they, I think. Their argument is that they need to keep the game's infrastructure going, which costs them money, and that's why these loot boxes are there to fund oh, that. But I'd question that um, and their motives on that a little bit, especially especially with a game as big as Star Wars. Um, what about for sort of smaller titles that maybe they can't get it off the ground and keep it running without that sort of continued payment method? I mean, you talk, we are talking EA and Star Wars. They're not short of pocket change. But I've, I mean, I've, would, I've, you, would you be all right with it in a sort of a... Like a smaller title well, that you're yeah, really in, invested in. in a mobile game, yeah, in a free-to-play right. economy. But you know, there are examples of um, games that are free on on a mobile on Android and on um, OS, which are free on a mobile device, yet cost money to download them on a console. Whether it's ten pounds or something, is ridiculous. This is where it comes into. I uh, and this, the whole issue I've had with the whole Battlefront scandal is the fact that um, player behaviour is what companies listen to. They don't listen to the comments. Although maybe this time around it could be argued with the fact that Battlefront. But the reason why they changed so much of it and the reason why Disney got involved is because people voted with their wallets. They weren't buying the game in 
mm. numbers or pre-ordering games as quickly as they were expecting. Um, and the problem with Battlefront was it, the game was so loot boxes were so ingrained in the game's ecosystem it was ingrained in its design it was designed for profit not for players essentially um, but right. I still really think was, yeah. I loved but, Battlefront 1 and I was so crushed when uh, it yeah. came out like this and but it, loot boxes they can work and they do work we've seen it in the likes of Overwatch where it's just skins and it's just aesthetics essentially mm-hmm. yeah. where people are just paying again for the addition rather than the sort of having it completely ingrained in gameplay or key or in core to the gameplay it, I think loot boxes have a place in games as a complement uh, to the overall experience but they shouldn't be the experience itself a gambling generator mm. is what it's becoming because people are getting addicted to what's coming out of these boxes I, I've, is it FIFA I've not really I play FIFA now and again with my mates but um, only in two play but I've not done the FIFA where you're the player Ultimate team, the ultimate, ultimate team. team, yeah. And I think there's loot boxes in that. I mean, there's YouTube videos of I, I don't know why people watch them of YouTubers, vloggers opening loot boxes and going hysterical when they've unlocked a certain player, and it's kind, it's kind of bordering on a, a gambling. Um, um, yeah. Similarities it's, to me, the similarities to gambling there, and I think I think it's quite a dangerous thing. And I, I, I agree with you. I think parents maybe aren't so aware that this is going on or um, older older people who you know grew up in the, in the I don't know I don't know if I want to uh, lump everyone in together but you know you those days where you bought a cartridge you bought Sonic the Hedgehog and you plugged it into your Mega Drive and that was your game and now it's online multiplayer is yeah loot boxes it's a big big new world well, the old games often had more in it that you unlocked by clever gameplay achievements yeah. instead these days they seem to hide the content and make you pay to unlock it but that's again where I don't necessarily think overall loot boxes are uh, intrinsically wrong because these games and these sort of tech giants have all this data and it's data driven so the reason why they're introducing it the reason why they're doing this is because they know the data is there and that people instinctively will just click and pay and you know although they might moan about it on their blog or on their Twitter and stuff like that they'll still their account Steam account or PlayStation account or whatever will still be forking out and they'll still be clicking yeah I'll pay 80 quid for that so again it's all about behaviour and whether mm. you vote with your wallet or you just want to moan about it be suspecting the way that some of that data's collated and the clandestine <laughs> methods it's it's being used for. I think there's I think there's a lot to be worried about yeah, there. I think parents these but they do it because they know we'll click on it. it. They do it because they know we'll buy it. And unless we change yeah. ourselves, it's still going to continue. I mean, it's if still only we had a parent among us who mm. might have an idea about <laughs> the future. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, I think it's obviously a, sh- a big shift. Publishers want to shift to games as a service rather than one off. Um, purchase, so they want your money before the games come out with pre-orders, and they want it continually afterwards. Um, but also, I think a lot of it is the danger is that when gaming was kind of first around, when we were, we were all young, it was seen as a kind of a pastime for children, and we've all grown up with gaming. And now, gaming now seems to be it's it's grown ups that do it. They the one that we we have our own disposable income now. We buy our own consoles. The games are kind of can be dark and quite adult and gritty. And I think we've also forgotten that kids. That are growing up now, they play games now, mm. and they are watching the YouTube videos of, of card packs being opened in FIFA. They have access to their parents' digital wallets if they put their payment details in, and we forget that children, you know, want to go on and they might want to buy these things, and they will then grow up being affected by it and thinking that this is an intrinsic part of video games that kind of buying money to, to gamble on 
getting randomised loot in a box is kind of is part of it, and I think that's a real worry and a, and a real danger. And I get video games have to make money, but I think if if you're having to rely on that um, that business model, then it's not particularly sustainable. I think it's it's a real shame that I mean I, I kind of wish that my hope that my son when he grows up has a lot of the same gaming experiences that I had of mm-hmm. kind of sitting down with a single player and being told a story, being taken on a journey, and then it ends. And, and not having to kind of input more than them, not having to be kind of taken for a ride by a publisher just to get money. And it's, I think it's a, a real worry and a real shame. And I, I wonder where gaming will be in 10, 15 years' time if this, if this continues. You've got things like EA Access, which is like the Netflix of games, where they don't want your 50 quid one-off, they want you paying five or a month, and then you forget about <coughs> it and it keeps going. Or, you know, you pay for season passes, and there's like yeah. the season two pass and the season three pass. So they, you know, over the, the games are kind of as a service, you get games as a pl- platform for like 10, 15 years now, or whatever. I mean, I know Rainbow Six Siege, they say they've got plans for like 10 years to kind of have a, d- a decade. And I think Destiny was originally going to be planned for like having a 10 year lifespan. Yeah, the 10 year cycle. Mm, yeah, and they, Rainbow and Six, I find funny, they've removed levels that yeah. were originally in yeah. there. And that happened with, that's happened with consoles. I mean, the Xbox 360 and the PS3 were around for 10 years. Yeah. And the original lifespan of a, of a console before then was maybe four or five at a push. And with you know, constant updates, and now they want to iterate on the consoles themselves. So they're iterating on the games, they're iterating on the consoles, and they're iterating on the content inside the game as well. It's. It's a, the, the industry's on a bit of a, a weird kind of limbo at the minute, and it could go either it's, way. It's, it is interesting, and, and we, 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 have to, we have to sort of wrap this up a little bit. And, and part of what I want to do, or we like to do on this podcast, is, is try and sort of demystify the tech stuff a little bit. So if I could get from each of you guys um, a little bit of, you know, a, a, a little nugget of advice to, to kind of people who are looking to get into video gaming. Maybe they don't know, quite know where to start. Maybe they just sort of are dipping their toe in the waters a little bit. You know, we, we've got we've got three kind of newish consoles. We've got the the Xbox One X, we've got the PlayStation Four Pro, and we've got the Switch. We've got PCs, obviously, as well. We've got phones. Um, so, if you just want to kind of go around and just give me your, give me give me a little bit of advice that people can take away for just kind of getting in into video games, either for themselves or for their kids or for their friends or anything like that. Um, Aiden, you want to kick off? Uh, well, do you not want to kick off? So you're pointing at JC. Well, there. I was going to <laughs> I was going to slide because I think I I, I suggest and. Um, bias aside I'm a PC gamer I would suggest people invest in a decent PC because even if they don't uh, want to use this or get bored of gaming they'll at least have something else that's still useful mm. and they've invested their money wisely essentially uh, we haven't even mentioned Steam actually which is no, just an amazing portal for I, finding I love it yeah. I absolutely love it and it always has sales and everything it's always so got sales always... on you can pick up some amazing games for nothing and just, exactly yeah. so I'd reckon probably go there you can pick up cheap games fid- uh, play about with us fiddle about with the systems and the games and see what picks your fancy essentially um, and that's what I like about PC games is not only are graphics amazing um, but also the fact that you can probably get some nice indie games and some even AAA games that come out um, and get Bayonetta came out on PC that was amazing I think it was a better version of Bayonetta than yeah. it was on consoles because of that so I think definitely if you want invest in a, a decent gaming PC or laptop because even if you don't decide to continue gaming or you get bored of it quickly you can you have something that you can still use I'd, I'd endorse that I picked up um, Age of Empires on Steam the other day for like next to nothing Age of Empires 3 oh nice they're, they're releasing it. a classic I know. Uh, when, which is amazing and I, just, I don't know I when I'm ever going to play it but I just I saw it and I had to have it I just oh, I used to, yeah Age of Empires great 
Uh, JC, what, what are your pearls of wisdom well, for? I think PC gaming's got too many buttons for me. I just, uh, <laughs> you know, I just get lost in all of it. Um, I think if you, if it's for yourself, and you just want to, if you just want to play some games, take that 200 squids and get yourself a second-hand Xbox 360 or a PS3 because some of the greatest games. Of, I was going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, absolute classics, and you can get those consoles for dirt cheap and. Um, just get one of those and just dive right in and the games are so cheap and if you're kind of more family orientated maybe get a, a Wii or a Wii U because um, yeah. I mean Wii, Wii's very very cheap now and Wii U's will be a bit cheaper but some great family games there great local co-op games really accessible so you just yeah, dive back a generation and, and jump, back, jump back in there I think before the loot boxes arrived <laughs> yeah. I've, what, I've what, totally what? second what JC said there as I say I was going to say that myself yeah. it's, a, it's a great <laughs> suggestion um one one of the things um, I've found with gaming, how I'm consuming it at the moment, is there's obviously the single player experiences. But what I really like is when a mate will just come round, and two of us can pick up a joypad and and play play games together, like on the Xbox 360. Great example, Gears of War. Yes. You know, go through that in co-op. You you, you can you and a mate can have some fantastic experiences for. For next to nothing, the only thing I'll say about picking up an Xbox 360 um, second-hand on the cheap, the controllers are still as expensive as they were back in the day because they're compatible with PC games. Uh, so yeah, Of course, yeah, you can use the Xbox pads I, for yeah, with, so with, with Windows 10. And, I, and, I needed a yeah. new one um, about six months ago, and I was looking at buying one brand new, and I think there was, I was shocked when they were still about £40. I thought I'd be able to pick one up for about 15 quid at the most you yeah. know but, um, so they've retained the value but great shout going back a generation uh, the games are already there um, but just to be a bit different uh, I'd recommend um, for 69 70 quid um, the SNES Classic Mini I've, I think oh, there's been some great oh, experiences with that you know yeah. relive with your mates again like I say mates coming around two of you instead of playing online you know and it's great to be in the same room as yeah. other people and you know use games to be social again and you know 16-bit experiences like Mario Kart in two-player you know good, you yeah. might not be friends for long you know the battle mode's pretty <laughs> pretty brutal and if somebody red shells you on the last lap at the last corner then that's a really good shout actually because they've yeah it's shrunk they you just plug it straight in the HDMI yeah um, yeah exactly like what the SNES USB was back charger in the day. that it doesn't need a you know just yeah. plugs into the TV these that's days a really good shout. fantastic great shout all right well uh, we, we've we've run on a bit longer than than uh, I meant to but yeah, I've just had so much fun it's, it's been great uh, gents thank you all very very much for joining us uh, it's been brilliant uh, we do Future File every Friday. Um, please like and subscribe, and uh, we will see you again next week. All right, thanks a lot for listening.